0: Hello to everybody out there who's getting woken up from a sound sleep by getting punched in the back. It's beautiful, anonymous. It's one hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather
1: go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you. And you'll get to know me.
0: Hello, everybody. My name's Chris Gethard, and I want to welcome you. Beautiful anonymous. It is a show where we take phone calls. And the phone calls are anonymous and they go on for an hour and they give you a little glimpse of human life, other people's life stories. If it's your first time joining us, we're very lucky to have you. Thank you so much. Also, very lucky that people have been supporting my tour. I've been getting out there, getting out there doing live shows. Um, thanks to everybody who's been showing up in all the cities we've been in. Wanted to let everybody know that this week I'm doing my New Jersey is the World Live show in Asbury Park on Wednesday, June 1st. And then June 3rd, I'll be in Portland, Oregon. June 4th, I'll be in Seattle. And we'll be doing uh, live, beautiful anonymous tapings at the early show, stand up at the late show. I would be flattered if you came to one and or both. You can get tickets at chrisgeth.com. This week's episode, we just recorded it moments ago. Recording the intro while it's fresh. And I'm going to tell you, not everybody's going to agree with the choices this caller has made. There is absolutely going to be feedback justified. I think the caller himself would say justified from people going, no, you can't, you can't do what you did and claim that it's okay. But there are going to be many, many people who listen to this and go, this is a smart person who made some very risky choices. And it all comes down to needing to find money to pay for school. And there's all systems in place there that can be, and very often are predatory, and our caller responded to those pressures. Not everyone's going to agree with the choices that the caller made, but one thing that I I think all of us will agree with is that this caller is able to break down what he did, why he did it, He is a very eloquent person. Tells us some stories of some behavior that also prove he is kind of a wild person. Keep your ears open for the pig mask section of the show. Um, The lengths that people have to go to these days to make ends meet and to play ball in the system the way it's set up, it's really eye-opening to think about someone this smart doing stuff that he lays out that he's done. Anyway, how's that for a tease? I kept it vague enough that I didn't spoil it, and I teased you enough where I think you're going to want to hear every word. Enjoy the call.
1: Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi.
0: Hi, how's it going?
1: Oh, it's going great! I just had a wonderful bowl of uh, Lucky Charms. Love mm-hmm. cereal. Um, might pay for it later, but you know, right now it's a great time. How are you, Mister Gethard?
0: I'm good. I had a piece of pizza, so we're both in great shape. I love that. <clears throat> yeah. How is how's your day been so far? Day's been good. Um, woke up early, got the boy out the door for daycare um, and then I've been home answering emails and I, I knew we were doing this so I went and took a quick walk around the block to get some steps in so I would say a pleasant day How about you?
1: That's good, I like been. I woke up, um, did a little cleaning took my dog out um, and I've been looking forward to this, so it's, it's been a good day
0: Nice. Nice. And this is a a voicemail call, but I have not been told a a thing about it. So you're going to have to fill me in on on what this pitch was.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Um, so my little elevator pitch was essentially, when I called, I was finishing up the finals of my second semester in my first year of law school. Um, kind of thinking to myself, reminiscing on how I got there, the things that I did, um, And how I was uh, a drug dealer through undergrad to make it to where I am today. Just kind of interested in all the various points that my life has taken me to, to get me to where I'm at.
0: So you're studying the law, but to fund it, you're breaking the law.
1: To fund it, you know, hypothetically, maybe. I um, used to break the law. Um, That was through undergrad because... uh, I have never been um, particularly well off financially. And I personally believe the entire college system is a scam and a uh, money suck that's designed to be that way. But um, between working um, two jobs at 1.3 jobs and having car issues, um, I wasn't able to sustain any sort of lifestyle while trying to be able to study. And so I found it to be um, surprisingly easy for a while um, and a great way to end up with enough money to be alive. And when I say great way, I strictly mean financially, everything else about it was kind of stressful and really sucked.
0: I got to ask what kind of drugs we were selling here.
1: It was really just a lot of weed. I, I'm not a person who's a fan of drugs. Um, actually I didn't even really smoke or drink until I got to college uh but i morally don't have any objections to marijuana um, other things i've got some families who have some significant problems with other drugs um and so i kind of stray away from those but i sold um a lot of weed i ended up buying some weed having somebody essentially kind of like a patsy um, getting weed for me from the dark web to sell um, we sold some wax and on a few um sporadic occasions, we got a hold of and sold some mushrooms. Another thing that I don't really find much of an ethical problem with, it's more of a legal problem. And well, you know, as long as you don't get caught, you didn't do anything wrong, right?
0: <laughs> so, you weren't out here selling, selling, uh, opioids, fentanyl, all this stuff that's killing people on the streets, you actively avoided that. So this was a very, this was a very calculated decision.
1: Oh, very calculated. Like to the point where um, most of the time I was doing anything, I had my own ass covered about 12 ways from Sunday. And I had about two or three people who would have potentially, if anything went wrong, been the fall guys and not, known ahead of time that they would have been the fall guys and had no real way to prove that I had anything at all to do with it. Like I said, my ass was covered 12 ways from Sunday. Wow.
0: And you mentioned the dark web. That was a really fascinating stretch in internet history. I mean, I feel like it still exists, but Silk Road was, Uh, Silk Road was almost mainstream. There was, it wasn't a mainstream thing because you needed to have tour, and you needed to know about cryptocurrencies years before they were popular. But it was getting enough mainstream coverage that I knew about it. I understood how it worked. Um, Was this around that era that you were getting into that?
1: It was a little bit after that. Once Silk Road was no longer a thing, um, but there there were and are still other websites that ended up replacing it. Um, But it functioned very similar in the sense that you'd have to have your cryptocurrency, your account, and then whoever you bought from your money got put in escrow, you got your shipping details. And once you got the package, it's when money would be released from escrow or you'd be able to challenge something. But most of the vendors that um, we dealt with had very good reputations and um, several, like a ton of reviews. So it really wasn't as much of a worry on whether or not they'd keep their end of the bargain.
0: Yeah. So this also sounds like, uh, Oh, now what? Okay. Continue the thought. I'll
1: say now the uh, friends that I had um, kind of used, in a sense, to get these transactions done, he ended up buying some other things through there that I had absolutely nothing to do with and suggested that he not do, um, like uh, he bought some DMT, some some coke, um, some acid, things that, you know, I don't always trust chemical composures of things. Um, especially when you're buying them online from people that you don't know. And even worse, um, when he wasn't doing things my way, he wasn't, uh, let's see, he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, you know? Um, those things that weren't under my control, he may or may not have had sent to a state university.
0: Wait, repeat that?
1: The, uh, the purchases that he made that weren't under my control... He may or may not have had them shipped to a state university.
0: Oh, that's not, that doesn't sound smart.
1: No, he was not a particularly smart person. Now, granted, he's not alive anymore, um, but he wasn't a particularly smart person. He didn't last long in the university anymore.
0: Oh, so did he get, he got caught and expelled for that?
1: No, Um he didn't last long because he wasn't really that smart. He didn't uh, make the grades he needed to. He spent more time partying and doing those drugs than any bit of work that he could have done. So he did not, uh, like he would have been on academic probation if he would have stayed in the next year but then he opted to not do that because it it was just too much work.
0: Right. Right. Now, oh, I got so many questions. I'm hitting a traffic jam of questions in my head.
1: (laughs) Well, let's start with the easiest one. What's the first one that pops through?
0: Um, well, the first one that pops through is, do you have any regrets about this? Um,
1: let's see. Honestly, not really. The only regret I could really think of is that I wasn't able to do it for um, longer. I ended up stopping somewhere between the mid of my junior year of undergrad and my senior year, I believe. Um, And part of the reason that I ended up having the staff was I went from funding my own purchases and sales to I had a very lucrative situation going on that I was working and selling with a different partner who was my at the time roommate. Um, And he and I had different clientele we sold to, Um, but he ended up selling a lot more and in larger amounts to various people which was to me a little bit too sketchy. I didn't really want to go down that route, but I had all the um, supplier connections. And so he was getting me the money to get his purchases and he was paying a fair street market price for what he was getting. Um, But I was making a a good portion of money off the top of that. Um, So it ended up funding my purchases and I didn't have to do much work of my own to get there. Like, for example, um, he would go through probably a half pound to a pound every three to five days, and he would have no problem paying like $1,350 for uh, a half pound. Um, and I was in good with the people I was buying it from. So even though 1350 fifty was an outrageous price, it was pretty normal, I'd be getting it for $1,000, $1,100. So I'd be making 250 350 on the top of him. And... That's enough for me to buy a couple ounces to sell in between there I don't have a whole lot of stuff going on at the time. So I ended up not even having to pay for the drugs in the first place. And then every bit of sales was completely in the green.
0: So it became a, you became a middleman to a degree where it became a no-overhead venture for you.
1: Exactly. And it worked wonderfully for while that happened.
0: Let's pause there everybody there's probably some people listening right now going i think i could do this and i just want to say that if you choose to commit crimes it is not beautiful anonymous's fault i'm gonna go ahead now and have some ads because i gotta make money too just like the caller we all gotta make money in this world so we're gonna have our ads and then we'll be right back thanks to the advertisers who allow us to bring this show to the world now let's go ahead and get back into this phone call so it became a you became a middleman to a degree where it became a no overhead venture for you.
1: Exactly, and it worked wonderfully for while that happened.
0: Now you started by explaining how this was how you stopped, but that sounds like it actually would be encouraging you to continue. <laughs> um, and you know, reasonably, it could have, but
1: I. I didn't want to have to put my own money into it, like so. I started by putting my own money into it, and I got to the point where I like so. You know, I think I had like 16 ounces. So say if the half pound was 1350, um, then you know, if I was getting an ounce off the top of that from him, then an ounce, like I was paying for it at the price, so it would be like you know 160, 170 dollars, give or take for one ounce. Well that came out of the money that he already gave me. And that one ounce, when you're selling it to college kids, you can sell it for a price that's moderately unreasonable um, piece by piece if you're selling it in eighths. I mean, that's like 45 bucks each. Um, so you know, you're getting up there and every single bit of that was just pure profit. And I wasn't really smoking at that time at all. So I, I was making a lot of money off of doing very little work. And uh, when that stops being a possibility, it wasn't really worth it for me to continue because I wasn't in as much of a dire financial, um, as I was when I needed to start doing it.
0: Now let's speak about those dire straits. So there must've been people in your life who were aware that you were working two jobs, three jobs, who noticed that all of a sudden there was a massive shift in your lifestyle and the amount of free time you had. How did you explain this So to I people?
1: stayed working those jobs. Um, I stayed working those jobs and eventually I cut off one of them, but it was like a work study job. It was kind of a time set thing anyway. So when it stopped, there wasn't any real reason to question it. The other one I stayed working and I um, kept paying my bills as is. It did raise a couple of questions when I ended up buying a second car, um, probably not my best decision. Um, but it also wasn't a phenomenal car. So like I was able to reason that my first car was on its last legs, which was true. Um, it ended up (laughs) as an engine seizing while I was on a road trip. That was not a fun time. Um, but other than that, most of the cash that I used either went, you know, just to some fun things or ended up paying like my actual bills so that the money in my bank account that was coming from work was just kind of accumulating, and not having many things to go to other than like going out or buying food because most of my bills were paid in cash.
0: So you did do this in a very intelligent way. This is like a breaking bad. You're like Walter White. You you really put some thought and some brains into the infrastructure of this. Now, I also feel like thinking of the timing, so you said Silk Road. We mentioned it before. For anybody who doesn't know, this was like a very notorious – underground website that a lot of people were using to sell and purchase drugs, but also legendarily, supposedly guns and people hiring hitmen. And that was the sensationalized stuff. And the person who founded that website got taken down hard by the government. So you're saying this is post Silk Road, but you're still using the dark web. That also feels to me like it's probably right around the era in history when states are starting to legalize weed more and more? Did you start to run into that as part of this story?
1: Um, So in my area, no. There there was no chance of anything legalizing my area. Mm -hmm. But some of the other areas that we had things shipped from, that did benefit the pricing models because when they're legalizing weed in some places, um, sometimes because of taxes or because of the regulations not all the weed like, passes all their little marks so they can sell or it's not as pretty as they can use um, so some of it ends up into you know um, trash cans right so those trash cans um, never actually end up being trash so people end up you know selling them to friends or having a large amount that they can find other ways to get rid of and one of those ways tends to be selling them on the, on the dark web so we'd get some pretty nice prices through that like there was one time uh, now th- at this point i was uh, like sort of semi-homeless um kind of my fault but i was living with a buddy um a buddy who was like uh one of those JROTC national guard ended up being a cop type buddies um so he wasn't particularly fond of weed he wanted me to keep it all out of his apartment and um, which i did for the most part but while he was gone, there was a day where we had a uh, delivery that we went and got of about four pounds um, and we had it all like sectioned out and sold within like four hours while he wasn't at his apartment because every bit of that was pre-purchased and prepaid. I didn't use any of my own money to pay for it. Everybody paid um, the standard price of what they would expect it to pay just minus like two to $300. I told him it would be a few days that I'd be holding onto their money. And so I made a real nice chunk of change off of that because the price of those four pounds off of the dark web came to about the price of maybe one and a half that I could have bought off the street. So with all the people paying close to full price, that was a couple grand that would have been pocketed in that one day.
0: I was just reading about how, there are people now who will put under special skills on their resume they'll just put googling like i'm really really good at googling things and there's and and you know there's people who roll their eyes at that but then a lot of employers go no like this reflects the fact that this person's realistic and smart like your ability to google and find solutions to things it, like we all do that all day so that that shows us that you're smart that you're putting that on your special skills. It sounds to me like effectively, you managed to make a whole lot of money by going, I'll figure out the dark web for the people who don't have the capability or are scared to go mess around on the dark web. That effectively was the job. As much as it was weed dealer, it was, I'll figure out the technology on how to get it here so that everybody else doesn't have to, it sounds like.
1: And that's what made me the bulk of the money um, other than that, when I still had those, like, deals with my roommate and I had, like, the ounce or two off the top, those I would still sell, like, person to person, whether it was I brought an eighth to the job I was working at and someone came through my line to buy something and it got put in their bag with their receipt, or whether it was they came over to smoke and that's when I sold it to them then, made sure they stayed a little while so the cars weren't just coming in and out of where I was living, stuff like that. So I had some hand in, like, actual physical transactions from person to person where it was from my stash that I was selling them and making money that way. But that was, I mean, like chump change compared to the amount that I could have made from the larger transactions that I had someone else um, take care of the purchasing and the Bitcoin and all that. And I just dealt with the marketing side, more or less.
0: Now, it sounds like you were very, very crafty sounds like you had some ethics from your end from start to finish and that they didn't bend and that that's a good thing sounds like you tried to approach all of this intelligently still have to wonder were there ever any stretches where you thought you might be in trouble from this were there ever any ever any paranoia anytime that there were knocks on the door that you didn't want
1: oh my god yes um gee, lord have mercy absolutely there were Like two incidences, well, two stressed of time where I was more riddled with stress and anxiety than I have in any other time in my life. And I am routinely on an SSRI for that purpose, Um, which I probably haven't taken, I should probably take care of that, um, (laughs) besides the point. But um, yeah, so one of the times, one of my local dealers, um, who was a friend of mine, he would have like you know, usually about 10 pounds or so at his house in some crates. And the guy he bought from had like a Um But there was a time where one of the people who bought from him had brought someone else along with them. Um, and he thinks it was this person who caused the issue because a couple weeks later, um, someone broke into his apartment and robbed him. He wasn't there, um, but they took like the five or six pounds that he had left there and some of his, like, personal items and some money and stuff. And so because there was no actual weed left in the apartment, um, he filed a police report, which probably wasn't the smartest idea of his, um, but he filed a police report about just his stolen items. And then he didn't have many answers for why someone would break and steal it, who knew that he had these things, because he didn't think that out. Um, but after that, he was someone who as you know semi prosperous business family he wasn't personally doing this for money as much as the thrill and the entertainment um but he ended up having some dea looking like on his linkedin which was out of the normal for him and on his parents so there were like people searching him he felt and he got real paranoid and suddenly he thought that there were like cars that weren't supposed to be there that were sitting there for a while um, so he got real sketched out above that. And so because I was there so often, um, I don't know whether or not he was correct. But, you know, anytime that there's a question, always assume that they're right, even if it's very clear that they're probably wrong, because it keeps your ass safe. So I was sketched for a bit there, ended up having to find someone else to buy from because I wasn't really as trusting of that source for a while. Um, he ended up moving and changing things and I bought from him for a while after that. But that one was like the low stress for me. The high stress for me was when I was living at the apartment um, of my friend while I was pretty much living on his couch for a few months and I had two cars. Um, one of the cars was super crappy condition and it kind of sat in the guest parking lot. And then the other car was the one that I would use regularly. Well, after I started coming to the apartment complex, um, shortly they ended up being... An officer um, started off as like a security guard who was like sitting in a truck over in um, a second, second, second section of the guest parking lot. And he never really did that before. I visited these apartment complexes frequently because they were close to um, the university and other things that I was doing. So this was new. And then after a while, that security guard stopped being a security guard and ended up being just a sheriff's car. And so, you know, I was a little bit more sketched then. And But I was like, you know, he's not moving, he's not doing anything. Maybe there's just other, like, high traffic, or maybe there's just a time that they're patrolling for certain reasons. That's what I thought at first. And then um, after I, like, a little, I think like a month passed, and then every time that I would drive into the complex, that cop's car would start, and then they would start circling the apartment buildings. Um, so it got to the point where I would take, I would duck off at the first turn, which wasn't where I was going, go around the backside, park elsewhere, walk um, between and through a few buildings. They had doors in the back that led to like a little courtyard. So I'd go into a building that had no business being in, go through the courtyard, go through another building out the backside of that, and then across to get to the back of the building I needed to be in because I needed to avoid um, wherever the cop was driving and circling, actually. So in my mind, which could have been true and could have not been true they were there circling every time that I drove in. And that's when they started circling because they were looking for that car for some reason. Um, and I couldn't really drive the other car because it was crap, but it's where I stored most of my things. And so I would only go out when I didn't see the cop car there at night to gather the materials that I needed to like weigh out or bag or do whatever. Cause I kept it out of the apartment because my buddy did not want it in his apartment, but that had me, on high alert all of the time. Um, there was even a time. Oh, sorry. Let me send this call to voicemail. Don't call me. Um, but there was even a time where we had gotten some some really really nice wax off of the dark web, um, and I had tried some of it. Um, you know, note for anybody in legal states who's consuming wax, if it's not a thing that you're doing all the time, um, you should really weigh out the amount of wax that you're doing, or be careful with it because uh greening out is not fun i hit way too much wax got super stressed super paranoid sweaty like i left the apartment set immediately and at that time there was a cop sitting at the entryway to the apartments. so when i left um my heart was like beating through my chest um i was absolutely terrified i knew that i had things in my car i knew this could have gone down very bad so i Um, Once I left, I didn't look behind me, drove like normal until I got to like the first right turn I could have taken that I knew had more stretches and like some housing in it that I could take turns around, park, find somewhere else. So I did that and I waited for like a good 30, 45 minutes just in my car, pitch black, um, seat down so that I would only see the lights that passed. Oh, that was a bad time.
0: Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Doesn't sound it sound I could it could have
1: all been in my head I could have Like it it could have all been in my head but logically there was no other reason for the cop that wasn't there before I started doing that there to be there there was no reason for him to only be circling once my car came in so those things together to me meant something could be wrong and it could cause me some problems it never did um, I had some personal interactions with cops but they were mostly due to me being a dumbass because um, there were times when I you know, wasn't as smart about what I was doing. They normally weren't related to uh, selling drugs or selling weed. They were related to when I was drinking or when I had a Mustang that I uh, really enjoyed driving, um, like how probably a 16-year-old would. So got in a little bit of trouble for peeling tires and stuff like that, um, being too loud, you know, speeding, the things that you do when you have – you know, uh, a Mustang. It was like one of the V6 or it wasn't, you know, super nice one, but it was one of like a 5.0. It it was fun. I liked that car.
0: Now, did you know while you were in undergrad that you were heading to law school?
1: I did. Um, I Well, it was kind of a pipe dream. I had it planned like since middle school. I just didn't think it was very realistic because I kind of left high school with like a 1.9 GPA. I didn't do anything. If they assigned homework, I felt like it was busy work and that I was dumb. There was no reason to do it. If I was going to prove my knowledge or my skills, I'd do it in a test. So I didn't do practically any homework that they gave me, and I just aced every test that they handed me. I didn't think that I'd ever actually be able to get into law school. So I tried my best um, in undergrad to do all of the work, even the busy work. Um, but it was sometimes a struggle because I was working so much and I didn't often have time to complete everything. So, so my work ended up being half-assed or done at the very last minute.
0: And what type of law are you studying? So... In your
1: first year of law school, you actually really don't get much choice of what you're studying. You study the doctrinal law. So you study um, the main things that are going to be on your bar exam no matter where you take it. So, torts, um, criminal law, contracts, constitutional law, property, um, and civil procedure. Those are like the main things that you'll take. And then you get like legal writing. Um, legal research and uh, sometimes you get like one elective that you may choose during that time so further than that I don't really have a I'm I'm very open to what I'm interested in doing ironically I'm um, fairly interested in and maybe it's not as ironic but like criminal defense is something I'm pretty interested in just because I want to make sure that people don't get screwed over by the law because I have no trust in the government at all um and so I want to make sure that even if people did something wrong, that they're not getting the harshest punishment possible because they want to make an example out of them or because someone's chasing some sort of political career and the prosecutor or the DA is just like, yeah, let's do everything we can to make this as harsh as a punishment as we can because we want to make it so the public opinion of us gets higher for taking care of crime. So I want to help to make sure that that shit doesn't happen as much as I can.
0: So that tracks. So you are appro- you are approaching your law career from a point of I don't I don't trust the system. I don't like the system. Let me go tinker with it from the inside and be a person, be a person who learns it backwards and forwards, so I can get on the inside and help. Which does speak to a bit of an outlaw streak, which I, I guess tracks with how you paid for it. <laughs>
1: you know what? I think you're right there. Yeah.
0: And uh, there has there has to be some part of you. I, although it's not like lawyers are always above board people, right? There's lawyers. <laughs> who, there's law, Well, that's a funny thing, right? Is like there's lawyers who never technically break a law in their life who are probably bigger scumbags than it sounds like you've ever set out to be. Um, and that's
1: that, fair and totally accurate.
0: That's a cliche as well. There's probably. Um, you know, there's also, I think, a pretty popular uh, cliche that law students are known to maybe uh, party pretty hard, and I certainly. Oh my god! I know law yes. students in my. I know people in my life who have told me that uh, the law school experience that a lot of a lot of people stay up all night and do uh, amphetamines and cocaine to study all night, and that that's part of the law school experience is that a lot of these people are out there breaking the law as they study it. Um, so maybe you attest
1: to some general knowledge of that being roughly accurate. I, um, may or may not know some friends who either, um, have readily available access to Coke, um, and use it. And I know some that have readily available access to Adderall. And if they don't, they're more than willing to pay almost Coke money to buy it. Um, because yeah, there's a lot of, being up for way too long, whether it's studying or whether it's because you needed to study and now you want to party. Um, and there's a lot of partying. I mean, I'm also, you know, one of the people who does my fair share of partying, maybe more than my fair share of partying. Uh, like there was a time that I went for a, a mimosa brunch, unlimited mimosa for twenty bucks. Beautiful. Not as beautiful when you have like mm, ten of them within an hour and a half. Then you go to pregame for a bar. Then you go to get a few drinks at a bar and you wake up in a hospital. Not a great time.
0: Yeah, let's pause there. It's not a great time. Just call her. I've rarely talked to anybody who both has is so driven and eloquent and also willing to just lay out with that eloquence the completely insane things they've chosen to do sometimes as well. Anyway, we'll be right back with more phone call. Thanks to everybody who advertises on the show. You're the reason that the show gets out into the world. Let's go ahead. Let's finish off the phone call.
1: Then you go to get a few drinks at a bar and you wake up in a hospital. Not a great time. That <laughs> happened to you? Yeah, it did. Um, that's the worst way I've ever woken up. Um, and I, yeah, so waking up with a tube in your throat and a catheter in your
0: dick. Not a good way to start any Monday. Hold on. Hold on a, 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 a <laughs> tube. You woke up with a tube in your throat And a catheter in your dick Sorry, it, Well, I feel like
1: she's totally, um Not liking a lot of this beforehand But yeah, that's so, how I woke up on a Monday morning
0: And that started with a mimosa bar
1: <laughs> Yeah, it started with a, a mimosa brunch um, uh-huh. That was to celebrate one of our buddies' birthday And, it was, you know It's 20 bucks for unlimited mimosas I'm going to get my money out of it Um, And so I did. But then, like, that would have probably been fine. And then we went to someone's apartment to pregame. And I probably had eh, three, four shots of tequila, a couple drinks. Um, And then we went to a bar where I had at least two Long Islands. I know that. Um, Anything else is a blur. Uh, The tube in my throat, they told me, was because I would not stop puking and they didn't want me to aspirate. Um and I had like uh three IVs, they were pumping so much liquids into me and medication. Oh, it
0: was it was not a good time. Yeah, that sounds awful. That sounds truly terrible.
1: Yeah, definitely cut down the drinking after that though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Damn, people going hard in law school. And do you? uh... (laughs) And I still, I mean, like I have
1: the lowest GPA I've had in any um, serious education. Um, But that's only because your law school GPA is um, not likely to be anywhere near as high as your undergrad GPA. Um, I still have a good GPA for law school, but like to me, it's not high enough.
0: Do you imagine that you dealing days are totally behind you or have you ever considered going back to it?
1: Uh, so anything on the scale with weed or things like that, I'm probably just going to avoid cause I have no real need for it. Um, it was fun at times, but it was much more stressful at others. And I wasn't doing it just out of a sense of like, you know, fuck these laws. I think they're stupid. Um, which was definitely part of it, but I was doing it because I really needed money to survive. Um, and I wasn't doing very well financially. Like, I mean, I even before I started doing that in my first try at my sophomore year of undergrad, I ended up dropping out of school and then going to work at, um, a manufacturing plant and then a warehouse working like night shift at 12 hour shifts because I didn't have the money to get back in school. I had to drop out because I didn't have the money for rent because my car broke down. I fixed it. It broke down again. And then I couldn't make it to either of the two jobs that I had. Um, so I wasn't able to sustain my living place. Um, I didn't live on campus, so I couldn't go back and live on campus during that semester cause everything was already full. So I had to drop out. And then when you drop out, um, all of your loans and things get rescinded. Um, And since I did so poorly in high school, I had no um, financial aid besides loans. Um, So then I had about, you know, $8,000 of a bill before I could access um, any of my transfer credits or before I could access any sort of registration. So I had to go work in factories to make that money to go back and then pay them like roughly $8,000 in cash um, to be able to just to be able to take out more loans to go to school. Um, So after doing that, I had no money besides the loan money. And that was not enough to cover very much at all. Um, So I was like, okay, I'm not letting this happen again. I'm doing something to make sure that I can (laughs) sustain an actual lifestyle and pay my rent. And I didn't have time to work in a factory while also working at any other job and trying to go to
0: school. Well, that's the real condemnation of the system, isn't it? Right there. of like, Oh, absolutely. The entire thing is flawed and designed for you to
1: have to take out loans that, you know, there's policies or laws that were put in place to enable these colleges to charge so much because there is the student loans that you can't, um, like you can't go bankrupt on student loans. They're there forever. Um, and these things, when they were changed, enabled the private loan vendors, you know, to lend you more money because now they're not as worried about someone going bankrupt and never paying it. They're going to charge you more interest and charge you for the rest of your life. Um, and then there's the government loans that you can get. And all of that just means if you've got more money available to you, then why not raise tuition exponentially as they did and as they're still doing?
0: So... Is it fair to say, and you seem, I will say, you seem like a a straight shooter. You don't seem like you're somebody who's hit anything. Is it fair to say that if college was affordable, you never would have done any of this shit?
1: Oh, absolutely. I only did it (laughs) because I needed the money. If I could have afforded college with even working two jobs and paying
0: rent, I, I would have never had to fuck with it. Not at all. And there must be people out there listening going, no, there's got to be another way you could have funded this. But it sounds like, you
1: know, maybe (laughs) I, I could have donated plasma every two days when it was available. I could have worked nights at a factory or something like that while I was in school. But, you know, working nights at a factory, working days somewhere else going to class and studying I'm pretty sure it takes more than the 24 hours of a day and you don't have the time to actually pay attention to anything you're studying because your brain is mesh at that point. So sure. I could have paid for it by spending years of my life working to the bone, working like a dog to save money, um, which then wouldn't have been enough at the raising price of tuition. But you know, the American dream is, is, the American dream is dead. So like, it's not like that's a thing that would have been easy to do well, making any sort of grades that would have been worthwhile.
0: What's your personal life like during this stretch? Like, It sounds like, I mean, certainly pre-dealing, it sounds like, you know, like you're saying, you could work overnight shifts at factories and basically sign up where your entire life is labor to pay for your education and no time. But then you also said that, you know, you kept some of the jobs when you were dealing and you were just accruing money for like future financial breathing room. But it does, it still doesn't sound like you had much of a life in terms of, are you able to find dating? Are you like, are you able to have any hobbies? Are you able to? So, um, I kind of, um, intermixed my hobbies with school. Um, so
1: I, I'm an artist. Um, I've done a lot of art things. I did every art class my high school had to offer. So I took some courses in um, photography and art-related things in undergrad. Um, with I was thinking about maybe getting a minor in it because, you know, being a triple major would have been a pain. Being a double major was enough. Um, so that's where my hobbies went. for anything social life, it, most of it had to do with um, – the people who I had met, um, that were smokers that I smoked with because I wouldn't just, you know, give you a bag and let you leave. Cause I don't want attention drawn to cars coming and going so frequently. So it would have be, I would go there and smoke with them, stay for a few minutes or they'd come over there. They stay for like 10, 20, 30 minutes, smoke and talk. So most of my socialization happened through that or like through parties. Um, I did end up doing some dating towards the latter end. but that was like, once I was, mostly done with the selling of anything. Uh, that was a terrible idea. Ended up dating <laughs> Ended up dating this person who um, we were exceptionally toxic um, with each other. It was a very bad time. Like there was a night after we had broken up but I was still like, you know, hanging out because when you only have an ex and you're not talking to anybody, you know, sex. Um, so we weren't together. But we were drinking, I'd gone to bed early, she'd gotten a whole lot more drunk, and then apparently decided to go through my phone and found that I was, you know, talking to other people um, as we weren't together, um, the same way that she was, actually. But um, she didn't care, um, because, you know, she can talk to people, but I can't. Um, I woke up to getting punched in the back about four to five times. That's what woke me up. That was a hell of a night.
0: Yeah, that ain't good. That ain't good. No.
1: She she wasn't a smaller, dainty lady. Um, She was a formidable foe, a sizable opponent. Um, (laughs) And uh, as much as I would have liked to retaliate, never in my life will I be doing that shit. So um, it was just a lot of effort to, um, you know, grab the flying fists and hold down and restrain this person so that they could not badly, drunkenly injure me, which was a, a real possibility. And I am also... Not a small individual. Like I'm I'm a tall dude. I'm, I'm not buff, but I'm also not someone who's uh scared of most, if not any, physical threats that don't involve a weapon. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's one of those relationships where everybody listening is connecting the dots and going, Oh, that sounds crazy. But like you said I
1: actually had a I had a whole lot more fun. Um, with the, so there was a stripper, um, that had a fiance that I wasn't dating, but I did have a, like, yeah, a strong sexual relationship with it for a couple of months. Um, I had a lot more fun with that than I did with the person that I dated for like a year and a half.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like dealing, you're dealing drugs. You're shacking up with strippers who have fiancés. Like this is real. <laughs> this is like, uh, this is like movie script life. This is like rap, this is like rap lyric life.
1: (laughs) You know, I actually have, um, started like, you know, some outlining to a potential book for once I get well past any sort of statute of limitations and can actually be non-anonymous with things. Um, and, am far enough into a career that, um, public opinion either won't matter anymore or it's not relevant to me. Um, or in the long shot, having a ghost writer and a pen name, because I've got so many stories that would be so much fun to be able to write and tell people about. I mean, like there was a time that I got arrested with a pig mask sitting in my, I'm not sorry, not arrested. I've never been in handcuffs. Um, there was a time that I got pulled over with a pig mask sitting in my lap. <laughs> it was wild.
0: Why'd you have a pig mask?
1: Um, for fun, I'm also a, um, an odd character, and um, so it was a photography prop that I used. But like, I would also sometimes just like put it on at stoplights um, and just like put my car in park and start like dancing around and looking at people to get reactions. And there were a couple of people who were like kind of scared, but most people were laughing their ass off because who expects to look over at a stoplight and see a dancing pig? <laughs> Uh, I had a fun time. (laughs) Oh, you put
0: it like that. Now, let's say years go by, you pass the bar. Now, I've had enough friends go through law school where I know a lot of people start out and they go, like, right now you're saying like, I really want to be inside the system because I'm not a fan of the system. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot lot of people who go to law school saying I'm going to be a public defender. And then maybe they do that for a couple of years. Maybe they don't. And then they get scooped up by some big corporate law firm where they're making bank. And that's what they do. There's a lot of types of lawyers out there and, There are a lot of good ones. Let me also say that. There's a lot of people who work on behalf of individuals who need help. There's a lot of people who work on behalf of organizations that are doing the right thing and the lawyers are like frontline in so many ways. You know, you look at places like the ACLU, you look at, you know, people who are mounting Supreme Court challenges to try to, you know, affect social change. You look at people who you know, donate their abilities and their expertise to try to get uh, people who are falsely convicted reversed. There's a lot of ways that lawyers do good. I don't want to claim otherwise, but there is also, you know, people who Exxon hires them and they go, I don't want to be a public defender anymore, Exxon money, you know, there's those types <laughs> yeah. of layers. Let's say you get down that line sometime and the statute's limitations on everything are up and, and maybe a prospective employer comes to you and says, you know, you know, the, you know, the drug world from the inside and we want you to come help us take down drug kingpins. And we think you have this expertise. Could you ever see yourself working on that side?
1: No, yeah. because um, presumably at that point, it's going to be prosecution in the state and I have no interest in working for the state in any capacity. Um don't want to do that. Um, and also I don't want to be in a place where I am working to take down drug kingpins or large people like that because that just puts an unnecessary target on your back. Like, yeah, I get that there's um some public detriment to what they do, uh, a significant amount. Um, but in my opinion, all of that blame can be placed on the government and their war on crime. Or not war- their war on drugs. Um which, you know, at least the war on crime. But like the war on drugs in certain areas is what fuels all of the drug trade. And causes so many extra problems. So yeah, sure, the blood is on the hands of people who actually do it, but like the proximate cause of all of this is unnecessary laws and regulations, unnecessary prohibition and like antiquated laws that are about drugs that they have taken no time to put any effort into studying, seeing the actual effects of, or seeing the benefit to, you know, decriminalization in ways that will keep it from causing such a massive drug trade that will end in so many deaths and things like that. So I, ha- I want nothing to do with that. I'll absolutely, if I get a chance um, out of law school, take the big law job, making a quarter million dollars a year. Um, I'll do that for a while until I can, you know, save up enough money to have um, interest accruing like uh, accounts or different money in stocks that will make it so like, you know, I have more money coming in or some real estate interest that I know will make me residual income so that I can have a safety net and then stop working in that big law kind of place to go work at something that I actually have a passion for. But I don't think if I, if I did it the other way around, if I started with something I've got a passion for and then ended up taking the money afterwards, there's like no coming back from that. Because that is your lifestyle. That is your money. That's your school club. But if you start there, you get your loans paid and you haven't, done anything with that passion, it's going to make you resent yourself for not doing anything with that passion. It's going to burn more inside of you and make you want to do something. So if you have the money to make a life change, it's much more possible to do if you start out at the big law kind of place and then leave that lifestyle for the passionate one rather than start with a passion and then leave for the money.
0: So you're going to go grab that cash out of the gate And then once you, uh, once you got your investments in place and once you got that money making more money for you, you're going to go do some good in this world. That's the plan at least. You know, we've talked a lot about your past and you just laid out like some very clear goals for your future at the very least bullet points that you'd like to, you know, the umbrella that you'd like your future to be under. We haven't talked so much about your present. What's the status of things right now?
1: You know, things are going pretty well. Um, I don't have my grades back yet from the semester because those things take forever. But I felt really confident in the exams that I did. Um, I've always been a test taker, like I said earlier. The one thing that I like about law school is you don't really have assignments. You don't have busy work. Um, For most of your classes, your final exam, that essay, is either worth all of your grade or somewhere from 75-85% of your grade because you might have had a midterm or you might have had participation just to make sure that people are engaged that count towards your grade. And since I really like tests, I feel like I did pretty well. I did fairly decent last semester. Um, Now it's just about trying to find a job for the summer so I can get some more stuff on my resume uh, other than being an entrepreneurial individual with a drive for success. Um, and being good at Googling. Um, but currently that's, that's what it is. It's finding a job for the summer, waiting on my grades, um, waiting on the results from like my, um, extracurricular stuff that I applied for, whether it be tutoring or, um, moot court or like the law review, like the law journal, just kind of seeing how things go the present. I'm just kind of coasting.
0: And what about financially? How are you doing? Because so much of this story is about being in a severe financial squeeze and finding a way out of that that was outside the law. And looking forward, you've talked, to, you know, I ask you about your future and so much of it is, well, I'm going to go make that money, find that money, and then spread out from there. What about the present financial state of things? You still coast in with some of this uh, this weed money or...
1: I wish that ran out a hot minute ago. Um, um, That was uh, mostly depleted during COVID times when everything was locked down and um, didn't have a steady source of income. So my savings is all gone. Um, But one benefit to being good at working loopholes around things is I was able to register for a couple classes during the summer, the maximum amount that they let you, and then drop all but one of them. Which allows all of my um, loans to not rescind because I'm still in A class, and to just refund back in my account during the refund period um, for dropping classes, which then provides me with enough money to pay my rent for the summer, um, move to somewhere else, pay my rent for there, and pay movers because moving sucks. <laughs>
0: So you just you found some loopholes with the student's loan system to basically give you some give you some uh, liquid cash on hand.
1: Yep, loopholes are my thing. Anything I can do to find um, <laughs> something that I can exploit in a system um, that will get some sort of gain out of it that doesn't cause uh, particular harm to an individual, I'm about it.
0: Yeah, so you got no I mean this is money you'll have to pay back at some point, but you got you got no problem bilking a student loan corporation. That you're not even blinking not twice excited. at that.
1: Nope. Um because A sucks them. Um and because B either I'll um be able to I mean it's just the simplest answer, you know. They suck. They their whole um, scheme is to exploit people who don't already have enough money to pay for what they want. I mean, it's not like law school isn't an elitist society in the first place where getting in a lot of it has to do with class or money and being able to afford it. Those things have a lot to do with it too. Jobs, the pool of the parents. I mean, when you're a first generation student or first generation law student, everything's significantly harder and you don't have the kind of connections or the knowledge of what's going on. Um, So... Yeah, loans feel predatory in most sense, so whatever. If it's me exploiting the system for my own gain to make sure that I'm not struggling financially, I'll either pay those loans back um, by working in some sort of big law job. Um, I'll end up in an area of law that I can do like a like a loan forgiveness program after 10 to 15 years of working um, for some sort of public service, but not for the state of government. Um, or, or I'll die, in which case, like you know, they're not my problem
0: anymore. Are there any? Are there any things you've learned as, as a dealer, that you feel like apply in law school, or are there things you've learned oh, in law yeah, school? You
1: learn people things.
0: Okay, talk to me. You talk
1: learn to me. So much about people. I mean. I um, I feel like it's relatively easy once you have a lot of experience with people who are seeking seeking something and are getting that something from you um, to be able to see differences in how someone's acting or the way that like the vernacular changes or the pitch in their voice changes because um, it might determine what they're going to do or say next, whether they're being truthful, um, whether their actual intent is what they've stated or whether there's some sort of hidden agenda that they have. Um, there's a lot of ways you learn about people and dealing with them by dealing to them. Um, and all of those things are directly applicable to any sort of thing, any sort of career where you have to deal with people. I mean, whether it be retail or whether it be where people are your clients, um, cause they're never going to be fully honest with you. Or if you work in a corporate situation, sometimes you, um, you're like the pain in the ass to them. Like you're like, ah, you're, you're the regulation. You're what I've got to avoid. You're what I've got to keep um, you from looking into me kind of thing, even if you're a partner with them working as in-house counsel. So you learn so much about people and the wide variety of the human experience from doing something like that. That's applicable to literally every different point in your life.
0: Wow. Wow. And are there are there is there vice versa? Are there things you're learning in the formal setting of law school that you look at and you go, Oh, that's just like dealer one oh one? Um,
1: yeah, only break one law at a time. Um, cover your ass. Uh those are kind of things that fit within most laws. Um, you know, if you're driving with anything illegal in your car, wear your fucking seatbelt. Use your turn signal, don't speed. I mean, those are things that are pretty simple because you you don't use a turn signal, then, oh, hey, look, you got pulled go over for a turn signal, which is normally a BS thing, but if there's anybody whose eyes are on you, that turn signal becomes your entire downfall. If your turn signal's on, if you've got a dash here, if you've got ways to prove this, then, I mean, they pulled you over for doing nothing. You have at least a good argument for why you shouldn't have been pulled over and why maybe anything that they found might not be able to use against you. Now, you might not win, But like, you know, set yourself up for success. If you're um, committing crimes or civil wrong, civil wrong, at least do it smart. Find the ways that you can, you know, make sure that you are the least likely to get convicted, the least likely to leave any evidence. And I am not a proponent. I'm not um, advocating for anyone to do anything illegal. That's always a bad idea. Don't break the law. But if you're going to break the law, don't be stupid about it.
0: And Being that so much of this part of your life was defined by basically a system that a system that was built in a way that you couldn't sustain within it, right? Is that a fair way to phrase it? Like this system, something's got to give.
1: I could have it would have had to break at some point, just because it, it. I mean, it kind of always does. Anytime you're doing something like that the more you do it and the more you don't get caught, you're increasing your likelihood of getting caught. Like it's the kind of thing you shouldn't stay doing for a while. If you're doing, you shouldn't do in the first place, but the longer you do something that is illegal or has a chance to ruin your life, the more likely you are to get caught and actually ruin your life.
0: And when you take a step back and you look at the overall system we have in place, what are the things you would change first? Like cuz there's a lot well, of people listening going, "Man, um, how do we keep our smartest people away, right? Like how do we keep the people who can just ace tests <clears> without studying away from having to become uh, hubs in a drug distribution network <laughs> to pay for their life?" So what are what what do you change about the system right out of the gate to help f- f- My right out of the gate of if I of not to do the this. system
1: would be part of the predatory college loan system the pipeline to college because there's a lot of careers that you don't need college for. You're pushed into college. You're going to accrue debt that you're not even going to get any use out of it. You're going to be paying on those loans for the rest of your life, paying to the government or paying to some private third party. And those third party loans are sometimes not as predatory as the government loans. Sometimes they're more. But all of these things are set in place because there's no caps on college tuition. There is the ability to have these loans. No um, bankruptcy doesn't stop them. Everything that's in place is probably set up by lobbyists who have just paid enough money and written legislation that people have signed without paying any attention to because they don't care. They just care about who's lining their pockets and all that makes it so that they can have loans as high as like $250,000 in the sense of for like graduate school. And that these schools can charge outrageous amounts of money because there are well-founded families that have the money to pay for it. Um, And so it doesn't matter if they succeed or not. And the people who don't have that money, who are striving to succeed, they'll take these loans. And if they fail, it doesn't bother the school. It might bother their numbers. So they want to keep them in as long as they can, but it's just the benefit to everybody else in that system who's getting their money and getting paid for the rest of this person's life when they're never going to be able to make enough money to pay this shit off. So I would, what I would want to do is make fundamental changes to the way that that system works and the amount of loans that they can give you and the amount that tuition can raise and anything that's state regulated rather than private and free enterprise stuff, you know, the things that everyone has the right to do what they want. But if you don't have the access to these crazy loans to pay for it, then the only people who can pay for it are like, like the wealthy. Then if they don't want to pay for it, they're going to actually have to be better schools. They're going to have to lower their prices. They're going to have to be competitive and not charge out the ass because they know that if you get accepted by the grace of their system, that you'll have the loans to pay for it and you'll just be in debt for the rest of your life to chase your ambition.
0: I feel like I know your answer clearly, but since you've been in both worlds, who do you think does more damage to society? Your average drug dealer or your average person in charge of a student loan lending system?
1: (laughs) Your average person in charge of the student loan system or any politician that regulates it.
0: Damn. I mean, that was a hell of a call. Our time is up. I'm glad, I I tell you what, I'm glad to get your perspective. I'm glad to hear, um, how much of it was born out of necessity. I'm glad to hear that you've left it behind and you got, you got some crazy stories out of it. That's, that's for sure. Huh?
1: It'll be a hell of a book one day. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate talking to you. I had a great time.
0: Thank you. thanks so much. And I am glad you're out of that game. And I hope you uh, feel a lot of financial breathing room in your future based on all the sacrifices you've made to get there and that you do follow through. i try trying to work that system from the inside and doing your part to uh, tear it down, so to speak. Thanks for calling. Thanks for telling us your story. Thank you to Anita Flores who produced the show. Thank you to Ryan Connor for engineering the show. Our theme song is by Shell Shack. You can go to ChrisGeth.com if you want to know more about me, including my upcoming live dates in places like Portland and Seattle and Pennsylvania and West Virginia and Connecticut and Massachusetts and California, okay? We've got a lot coming up in June. Go check them out at ChrisGeth.com for those tickets. And hey, if you want any uh, mugs and shirts and posters, we get, we got them all at PodSwag.com. And if you're looking for an easy way to support the show that's not any financial investment of yours... One thing you can do that's so simple, there's a button that says subscribe, favorite, follow, whatever system you're listening on, there's some button like that. When you hit that button, it helps us so much. So please do so. Thanks in advance. You can find ad-free episodes of Beautiful Anonymous and tons of other shows over at Stitcher Premium. Use the promo code STORIES for a one-month free trial at stitcher.com slash premium.